It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, and whenever you're listening, and whenever you're watching, not watching, and whenever you're watching, and whenever you're listening. I don't know. I hope you're doing all right today, man. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's. Neighborhood pizzeria and Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn Express. That's right. You want to be something you're not? Go stay at a Holiday Inn Express. No, Holiday Inn Express, man, it's the place I uh, like to stay when I'm not in my uh, own home, in my feety pajamas. Uh, hey, you want a Billy C. discount? Next time you go to, uh, you want to travel and you want to stay at a Holiday Inn, uh, any Holiday Inn property, just go to, uh, uh, well, go to our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the uh, banner. You can't miss it. It's on the right-hand side. Or just give them a call to include the Billy C. discount, 844-603-0364. That's toll-free, man. 844-603-0364. Stay at Holiday Inn Express. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. It's a good one, and it's a true one. Um, Sal uh, Rocky Senecola won't be joining us today, uh, but that's good for you guys because I'm going to open up the phone lines here uh, after the first break uh, to get your thoughts on some stuff. Uh, Dax Khan will be joining us a little bit later. Uh, talk about the heavyweight division. And speaking about the heavyweight division, um, we got some fight results, including Dillian White's uh, brutal uh, knockout uh, over Lucas Brown. Uh, also, I want to talk about um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. You know, uh, my buddy, that spineless, gutless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett. I just want to know. I mean, Bob isn't man enough to ever respond, but uh, even when we write letters and emails and everything else, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm always saying that 
you know, kids today or young younger people today aren't held accountable for their actions. Well, neither is Bob Bennett with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He does something and then he doesn't want to respond. Um, I just want to know what exactly is a temporary suspension. Does that mean just shut guys like Billy C up, issue some kind of suspension, and then uh, all will be good in uh, Vegas uh, come May 5th, uh, even though you're a cheater? I I I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But first, uh, let's talk about the fight results from the weekend. Dillian White improved to 23-1 with 17 knockouts when he scored a devastating, brutal knockout over uh, Lucas Brown, who had been previously unbeaten. It took place at 37 seconds of the sixth round. Uh, Brown drops to 25-1. and Um, You know, the fight itself was a one-sided beatdown. Lucas Brown... I'm uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Lucas Brown (laughs) um, basically reminded me of Brian Minto. I I mean, this guy, you know, yeah, I know his background. He he came from uh, uh, basically a, a bouncer at a bar. And he looked it. He looked like a bouncer at a bar fighting. Uh, no business in the ring. Uh, no, uh, uh, no boxing ability except for uh, uh, his power. And what we saw was a guy that was willing to take a beating just in attempt to land his power shot. And Dillian White, although he's no uh, description of the sweet science himself, uh, made it look pretty easy. Uh, dispatching uh, Lucas Brown at the time of the stoppage. I personally didn't have any uh, rounds going to Lucas Brown. Um, Seemed like he was uh, in a different zone. Uh, But nonetheless, Dillian White looked good against Brown. Uh, You know, he becomes the mandatory for Deontay Wilder. What does that mean? Well, it means Deontay Wilder will have no trouble at all with Dillian White. Uh, Deontay Wilder will uh, destroy Dillian White, as a matter of fact. Uh, I don't think that uh, Dillian White could last, you know, uh, six, seven rounds with with Deontay Wilder. Uh, Wilder, despite him not being the definition of the sweet science, will uh, destroy Dillian White. Now, what happens between uh, now and the time, uh, assuming that Anthony Joshua gets past um, Joseph Parker this weekend, uh, what will transpire? Will we have to sit through, um, you know, Deontay Wilder destroying uh, Dillian White? And, of course, if AJ gets past Joseph Parker, watching AJ destroy the fraud, the fat fraud, the donut-eating, cupcake-eating uh, Jarrell Baby Miller, uh, two fights that mean nothing. Uh, in the heavyweight division, except to prolong the inevitable, which is a showdown between Deontay Wilder and my man Anthony Joshua. Uh, Some other fights that took place, Derek Chisora uh, staying afloat in the heavyweight division. He improved to 28-8 with 20 knockouts when he scored a second-round stoppage over Zakira Arzuza, uh, who drops to uh, 14-3. Also, uh, uh, some fights that took place in Germany, Tyrone Zuge improved to 22 wins and a draw with 12 knockouts when he picked up his 12 knockout when he stopped Isaac Ekbo 
uh, in the second round. Ekpo drops to 32-4. and four. Uh, Mark Nelson was the referee. This guy's uh, getting some frequent flyer miles, huh? And he's terrible, too. I wonder, why, I wonder why they're bringing him over. Maybe he's easy to get to, if you know what I mean. 23 seconds uh, of the second round was the official time. Um, in a uh, fight that was for the regular WBA Cruiserweight title, because the WA, WBA has uh, uh, made uh, the champion, the regular champion, um, a champion and recess, and uh, they let uh, uh, two fighters, Arson uh, Glumarian uh, and uh, Ryhad Murhi, uh, fight for the uh, vacated uh, uh, tile, uh, title, or I should say uh, the champion in recess. Um, nonetheless, it... Uh, uh, it uh, Gluian, uh, Arsene Gluian improved to 23 and 0 with 15 knockouts when he scored an 11th round stoppage over Ryad uh, Murhi, who drops to 24 and 1. Uh, some other fights that I wanted to mention uh, from Saturday in a rematch that ended in a draw in 2016, ended in a draw in 2018. Jose Martinez and uh, Alejandro Santiago. Uh, took on uh, each other again to try to schedule, settle the score. And uh, the end result was the same. Uh, one judge scored it 96-94 for Santiago. One judge had it 96-94 for Martinez. And the, of course, judge scored it 95-95. I say of course because uh, that was what he was paid to do. Uh, Martinez, uh, 20 wins, zero losses, two draws, 13 knockouts. Santiago, 15 wins, two losses, four draws, seven knockouts. Uh, I wonder if uh, they're going to fight a third time. Uh, I don't know. We'll uh, have to wait and see. Um, some fights that took place on Thursday, and we didn't do a show on Friday, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But uh, uh, Garcia, Ryan Garcia, who, who's known as Kingry Garcia, uh, 19-year-old kid, uh, the NABF uh, champion in the junior, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in the uh, uh, featherweight, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's junior uh, super featherweight or super featherweight, I don't know, it's listed on my notes as junior super featherweight, so uh, unless they're saying he's a junior champion in the super featherweight division, yeah, 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 I think that's it. But uh, nonetheless, he improved to 14 over 13 knockouts uh, when he took care of uh, um, uh, Vargas uh, easily, it seems. Uh, uh, you know, Vargas, Fernando Vargas, a veteran, uh, a former world title challenger. Um, it uh, didn't look like it when Ryan Garcia destroyed him uh, in the uh, very first round. Uh, listen, this kid is showing a lot of promise. Garcia, he's got fast fast hands uh the thing i liked about this kid was first of all he he displayed power in both hands his he it looked like he was looking to land his right i mean that's what he was using his his jab for but the knockout i mean yes he stunned him with his right but the knockout came from a, a devastating quick short left right to the jaw that knocked uh down and out uh uh fernando vargas and, you know, I look at this kid, and the thing I liked about him was that he seems to be bringing a lot of fans with him. 
girls. I mean, all the, it looked like the Beatles. I mean, all these young girls were screaming. Uh, they, were, they were loving this kid, which I was loving. You know why? Because this brings crossover fans, fans that might not have even watched a live boxing event, let alone one on television, and now they're coming to see him. That's great for the sport. Great for the sport. Now, here's the bad news. Um, the one thing I noticed about Garcia, and granted, he's a tall kid. Uh, I think he's like 5'10", 5 5'11". 5 uh, you know, he's got plenty of time to grow into his body, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but the one thing I noticed big time uh, about him uh, was that he kind of stands up straight. I mean, this is a guy that uh, uh, wasn't crouching at all, uh, didn't seem to have any head movement. Uh, his defense was his jab. He's only 19. He's going to learn. Yeah, he had 230 amateur fights, uh, but I'm thinking that he had the height and uh, reach advantage over all of his opponents. Hopefully, they'll start to teach this guy to move around a little more, move his body, uh, not only with his feet, but, uh, you know, like a slinky from his waist, you know, uh, move his body from side to side, move his head a little bit, uh, crouch down, go stand. I Listen, don't get me wrong. One of my biggest knocks on my friend, Kevin Rooney, uh, was that he was a one-dimensional trainer. I'd visit him at the gym, and everybody, whether they were tall and lanky or short and stubby, uh, were doing the... Uh, uh, you know, the bob and weave, you know, the, the crouch. And, and uh, you know, my, my knock was that he wasn't teaching uh, young fighters to the best of their abilities, uh, using a style that would enhance their uh, natural abilities, height, reach, etc. Um, it seems like this kid is utilizing his height and reach, but as he matures and as he gains weight and as he moves up in weight classes, uh, he's going to have to move around a little more. Uh, needs to work on that, but uh, a very, very hot prospect uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, also, there was a bit of an upset uh, on the undercard. Eddie Gomez improved to 21-3 and with 12 knockouts when he scored a, uh, a knockout over Keandre Gibson. Uh, Gibson drops to 18 wins, two losses, and a draw with seven knockouts. It was 54 seconds into the second round. Uh, Gomez, more of a power puncher, but Keandre Gibson had a chance to get back in the mix. Once again, this shows that these fighters that are overprotected, you know, as young fighters, it doesn't help them. It hurts them. And this is a great example uh, with Keandre Gibson. He was a highly touted uh, prospect coming up. He had an impressive record, steps up for the first time, loses, uh, gets back on track, steps up again for a second time, and loses. Uh, you don't get better if you're constantly being fed uh, cupcakes. You may turn into a diabetic, but that's a whole other story. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that. Um, you know, I, one of my, one of my uh, topics today is what exactly... Does the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and specifically that gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett, mean when they term temporary suspension? And that's exactly what they uh, said was happening to Canelo. It was announced uh, last week on Friday that Canelo is currently temporarily suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission due to his failed uh, test. Now, Bob Bennett, the spineless, gutless piece of garbage from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, issued a statement. Did he stand up and face the music? No. Did he answer any calls from reporters on the phone? No. He issued a statement. And that's typical Bob Bennett 
not being held accountable. Now, in Bob Bennett's defense, like my friend Larry Hazard pointed out, he's not the only guy running the show in Nevada. They have a system. They have a board of directors. They all vote. And Bob Bennett is the sacrificial lamb, the, the face, if you will, who gets criticized by guys like me. And the truth of the matter is, is that we don't need little puppets in boxing commissions. We need strong commissioners that uphold their rules and regulations and do what's good for the sport, not for their pocketbooks, not for the revenue that the state can make, not for their buddies that are on, uh, uh, you know, that are fighting, etc., etc. Uh, no, they're supposed to be looking out for the safety of the fighters and the rest of the participants uh, in the sport of boxing. Uh, and the gutless, spineless piece of garbage known as Bob Bennett issued a statement. And the statement was as follows. He said, according to his statement, Mr. Alvarez is temporarily suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission per the executive director for his adverse and analytical findings, that being Clen Buterol, on February 17th and February 20th. A commission hearing is scheduled for April 10th to hear from Mr. Alvarez and, or from Mr. Alvarez and for Mr. Alvarez to attend. Uh, both Canelo and his handlers uh, have been uh, uh, informed as uh, Triple G and his handlers. Uh, they uh, um, still claim, Canelo and uh, Team Canelo still claim um, uh, it was contaminated meat that caused it. Um, so they are going to, in my opinion, uh, what this temporarily suspension means, temporarily suspended, what it means is that the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to look uh, from the test results after uh, February 17th and 20th, uh, which he tested positive for uh, clenbutynol, uh, and they're going to say, well, look, he's tested clean from this point on. He had moved his camp from uh, Mexico, which is loaded with contaminated meat, and now he's squeaky clean. The fight goes on. That's what I think is going to uh, be said. Uh, but uh, it still uh, uh, remains uh, to be seen what they do about it. My opinion has uh, been very strong that I feel that uh, they need to make a statement here and um, suspend him uh, for uh, one year, just like they would anybody else. And, uh, you know, send a strong message to people that are in this sport that think about cheating and thinking about getting passed or beating a test or using some lame excuse uh, why they tested positive, they'll think twice if they take a name like Canelo and do it. It has to happen. And and it's not like I don't like Canelo because I do. The truth of the matter is he got caught with his hand in a cookie jar. It's time for him to pay the consequences. And the consequences, in my opinion, means some kind of a suspension. Uh, and if you all forgot, top uh, platinum song by Roy Jones Jr., um, you know, Triple G was pretty pissed about it last week. He says, again with the Mexican meat? Come on. Uh, when he was asked at his uh, uh, workout on Tuesday, he's like, I told you it's not the meat, it's Canelo. This is his team. This is a promotional company. Canelo's a cheetah. They're using drugs. They're, everyone's just trying to pretend it's not happening. He said it was pretty obvious when Canelo's muscles were all enlarged and traces of any injections were visible. I could talk about Oscar, too. Uh, he's not clean. 
He's dirty. You should take a look at the photos and ask a doctor. Ask any doctor. Let him explain uh, what those muscles are from. Uh, it's, it's even better uh, to use a lie detector. Then there wouldn't be any silly questions about meats or fruits or chocolate that he might eat. Hey, it's very uncharacteristic of Canelo to act like that. I mean, uh, Triple G to act like that. But I can't say I blame him. I'm with him 100%. I mean, uh, enough already. Enough already with the BS, you know? But uh, anyway, temporarily suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. What does that mean, boys and girls? Hey, I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, at, uh, in a half hour, in, in about 20 minutes. Maybe you can explain to me what it means. Uh, We've got some emails. Uh, first one I want to read uh, is uh, from my man uh, Stuart in the U.K., he says, uh, hey, Billy. He says, uh, greetings from across the pond in the U.K. Hey, I want to thank all of our uh, uh, U.K. Uh, viewers and listeners. I love you guys. And, and, you know, you hear me say all the time that I want to come and do a show uh, out there, maybe a, a week-long uh, show. So if you have any connections uh, or you can send me uh, some information on who I should reach out to, anyone interested, we, we feel that it would fit at a gym, a, a sports bar, a, a casino, uh, something along those lines, uh, we would uh, love to do the, uh, uh, the show out there for, uh, for a week. So if you have any uh, uh, info, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Anyway, uh, Stuart says, love the show, uh, which is objective and thoughtful. Keep up the good works. Uh, regarding the potential Joshua Miller and Wilder uh, White card, he says, the rise of matchroom uh, boxing and Eddie Hearn owes a lot to Joshua and his ongoing success in the ring. Of course, Hearn has a number of excellent fighters in his stable, along with some great prospects. Uh, however, Matchroom needs Joshua to grow Matchroom match in the United States. I have a feeling that if Joshua beats Parker, and that's a big if, and, and uh, if White beats Brown, that's a smaller if, this uh, I received on uh, Friday, so the, the fight hadn't taken place yet. Um, he says, uh, then uh, the matchups between Miller and Wilder will be uh, the next uh, fights with the emphasis on a USA versus UK affair, thus growing matchroom in the US. Hearn is, potential, is a personality himself and the type of guy that... Wa- Did you ever notice how tall uh, Eddie Hearn is? Eddie Hearn's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, you know, he's a big dude. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, and the type of guy Wilder desperate needs to do some clever uh, talking for him rather than the shouting and big talk uh, that we associate with Wilder now. However, Hearn knows that for AJ to take a loss against Wilder in, in his next fight after Parker would surely slow Matchroom's ascent down. I'm pretty sure AJ knows this himself. AJ will be used as a catalyst, and only then will we see AJ and Wilder in the ring. All boxing fans, hardcore and casual, know who the players are. Uh, it's up to the boxers and the promoters to get the fight into the living rooms of the casual sport fan and the non-sports fan, uh, as this is where the big money is. I like Hearn. He's a hard worker, and he's very astute. I believe we would uh, let him... T- I, I believe we should let him take the wheel and work his magic, although I can see how not having AJ versus Wilder next would be a massive stress- frustration to many fans, but this is a business. And a lot of money is at stake for all concerned. All the best, guys. Uh, thanks for the entertainment. It's like I said, my man, Stuart. Um, first of all, I, I just want to say this. This was a intelligent, well-thought, and well-written email, and I appreciate that. Um, but, I, listen, I, I know 
the uh, the business. You know, I get it. Uh, what I do and say is for the fan, uh, for the benefit of the fan in the sport, and for the good of the sport. I, you know, no no uh, offense to Stuart, but I, you know, I don't need somebody to tell me that this is the business side. This is why it's going to be done like this, and blah blah blah. I get it. I totally understand. But I try to take on the opinion and feelings of the fans. And, you know, a, a fight between Deontay Wilder and, and, and Dillian White and assuming uh, baby fraud, fat, tomato-eating uh, Jarrell Miller uh, beats uh, Johan Duopas to see him fight AJ uh, is a joke. It, it's, it's, we, don't, we don't need... Uh, that kind of uh, fights. We, we just don't. As far as Matchroom not being uh, a big uh, promotional company in the U.S., that doesn't matter. The fans really don't give a rat's ass who is promoting anything. All they care about is the fight itself. And listen, boys and girls, the fight that we want to see right now, and this is providing Anthony Joshua gets past uh, Joseph Parker on Saturday night, uh, is Deontay Wilder fighting AJ, end of story. It's a two-fight deal. Both fighters go in with a risk with losing. And the beauty of it is you make a two-fight deal. So if AJ should get dethroned by Wilder, they have a rematch. If Wilder gets dethroned by AJ, they have a rematch. It's called home and home. One in the UK, one in the US. There's no reason to fight a preliminary fight. The value isn't there. The money that can be made for these two guys to fight each other twice would way it would supersede the possibility of any money and you reduce the risk anything could happen Deontay Wilder could break his hand his right hand uh on Dillian White's head and then never be successful again AJ could get a cut that that opens up against uh Jarrell baby fat Miller and, uh, you know, have a substantial uh, weakness uh, in his fight. No, there's not enough money or reasons to make these two preliminary fights leading up to the showdown between AJ and Deontay. There's no reason. You can't make a business decision and convince me that it makes sense because a good businessman, a good promoter, a good manager will... Um, set up these two contracts, will structure the contracts in such a way that both guys, Deontay Wilder and AJ, will be financially set forever after the first fight, let alone the second fight. So, no, there's no reason, business, opinion, or no, any other reason you could throw at me uh, unless they're going to pay these guys $100 million to fight these two preliminary fights, which they're not. Uh, there's no reason to wait. There's no reason. Stuart, my man, thank you for the email. It was a good one. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I got more, more emails. Then we're going to open up the phone lines. Don't go anywhere. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Getting some comments on uh, all the chat rooms. Listen, there's no reason for Deontay Wilder being forced to fight Dillian White. Don't even send me an email or when I open up the phone lines here in about 10 minutes, uh, don't uh, tell me that the WBC is going to make Dillian White the mandatory and he's got to fight, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, who the hell is Dillian White? Dillian White was a, was a prospect that got moved into contendership uh, quickly. Uh, he hasn't fought anybody of note. Now, neither has Deontay, but Deontay has done one thing. He beat Luis Ortiz, and I don't want to hear about the age because I said the same thing. And don't get me wrong. You know, I thought that Luis Ortiz, especially the nature in which Deontay uh, beat him, warrants him to pass, go, collect the 200, and fight AJ right now. End of story. It's the only fight that we want to see, man. It's the only fight that makes any kind of sense in the heavyweight division. Anyway, um, hey, if you're, if you're agreeing or disagreeing or you got another thing that I'm missing out on, uh, don't forget, I'm going to give you the phone number to call in here uh, in about uh, 10 minutes. So uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, for you guys today. Dax Khan joins us in about a half hour. Uh, get his thoughts on the heavyweight division. So a lot of stuff. But Foist, I got some more emails. This one's from my man, Coach. Coach is in the chat room right now. He says, uh, uh, hey, Billy C. Should uh, uh, had added this uh, to, uh, let's see, he must have another. Uh, uh, he says, your buddy. But He says, I should have added this to the other one, another email. Uh, but that was a, a Ricky Hatton thing he sent me that was uh, uh, I already looked at. He says, your buddy Bob Bennett's at it again. Uh, WTF is a temporary suspension. Ah, that's what I want to know, Coach. I'm hoping somebody will tell me what a temporary suspension is. I'm predicting that it's temporary between now and April 10th when they have the meeting. And then they're going to say, okay, look, he's tested good. He's good. He's clean. It was the meat. It was the meat. It was the meat. And they're going to say everything's a go uh, because, uh, you know, they don't want to lose the money. Uh, my man, uh, Luke, uh, from, uh, the land down under says, uh, Hey, Billy C, I hope you had a good weekend. The Lucas Brown, Dillian White for me was not a letdown. Like what I'm seeing a lot of people on social media saying, uh, but it was more of a concern. The moment Lucas walked into the ring, I turned to my wife and I said, he's going to lose. Something seemed off. Something seemed strange with him. I know some fighters look stern and sullen when they walk into the ring. It's their way of trying to be intimidating, but Lucas looked already beaten. His eyes were fixed to the floor. He was expressionless, and his posture, posture seemed slumped over. I noticed that, too. I noticed that uh, he was looking down, and, and you know I don't know if he was looking like he was just serious to get the job done or if he was in depressed mode because it could have been either way. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really see a lot of ring walks with him i've seen a lot of his fights but usually uh you know replays and uh I, i've never seen him you know as much as i got to see him on uh, saturday but uh, uh anyway he's a lot of people were pointing towards his physical shape i don't think that was too much of a factor uh the reason why i say that is just look at george foreman and his comeback yeah, you know, but the thing about George Foreman, you could say what you want about George Foreman and even Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes was no physique fighter either, um, but they didn't jiggle. You know, I mean, Foreman was, was you know, he made a joke of eating the cheeseburgers and stuff, but he didn't jiggle. You know, I, I mean, uh, Lucas Brown was jiggling, man. 
you know, and uh, I mean, I don't even jiggle as much as he was. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, but the moment the bell rang, I just turned to my wife and said, uh, I'm right. Look, I have no idea what went on. The commentators, people on Twitter, all saying he's clearly not come with a game plan. His only plan was to try and land one big shot. I disagree. He seemed like something else happened. Now, in all fairness to him, he's not made any excuses. But I think he was either ill or injured or something uh, has happened in his personal life. Uh, because that wasn't a man who tur- uh, turned up to fight. And to be honest, that makes me slightly angry. If that's the case, I don't think he should have been in the ring. Uh, when he walked out, I got shades of Alan McCall in the stomach with Lennox Lewis. I don't think he should have been in there. I think somebody screwed up somewhere, and he could have gotten seriously hurt. I generally turned to my wife and said, I think they killed him when he hit the canvas. Uh, all I could say is, uh, thank God I was wrong. Uh, thanks for the email, Luke. I-, I tell you what, when he hit that canvas... Uh, I thought he was uh, killed too. I mean, uh, that 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 shot just—I mean, uh, face first, man. It was—if uh, you didn't see it, go back and watch it. Um, then uh, I got another email from uh, a couple of uh, points from my man Mitch, my main man. He says, uh, "What the f is a temporary suspension? What are you suspending?" He's talking obviously about uh, Triple G versus Canelo. He's still in training camp. The date is still May 5th, so suspending him from what? He says, you either suspended or you're not. Uh, like you said, Billy C., if you let this uh, meat thing fly, you will now be setting a precedent. Everyone that pops for clan butyrol uh, after this will use the meat excuse, especially if their picograms are lower than Canelo's. And guess what? You'll have to give them the same courtesy of a temporary suspension. It backs the commission against the wall. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, he says, uh, this is all what that gutless, spineless piece of garbage uh, is trying to shake down uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, sometime before the hearing, Oscar will have someone deliver a brown paper bag full of something green to Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett is sitting pretty because he's the uh, because it's the A side or the cash cow side that has to ante up. Then they'll vote six to one, or five to two, or four to three in favor of the fight. Bennett will have no. Uh, Bennett will also have an Adderley Bird type on the commission who will be deciding uh, the vote in favor of the fight proceeding. Prior to the vote, Canelo will testify that he used a meat. Uh, they'll either manufacture a receipt or bring some witness from a restaurant to give a song and dance about where the meat came from. Then they'll bring a doctor who's never heard of him before and will never hear from him again, who say this aligns with meat contamination. In real life, the prosecution would bring in their doctor in to dispute everything that the defense doctor said uh, with evidence to prove it. Canelo's physique has changed. His explosiveness has come out of nowhere. Yet I'm more concerned with the illegal hand wrapping. Anyway, Oscar had a show uh, on Thursday and another one uh, today, meaning uh, Friday. Uh, he says, so once the check's clear... He'll go on to a liquor store to obtain a brown paper bag. Bennett don't take any checks, baby. Straight cash. Uh, boxing doesn't want to know the truth. If it did, it would test Canelo's hair or test his team that ate with Canelo during his camp. I never hoped for a KO more than I do here. Um, can't say I can blame anything that my man uh, Mitch is saying. He goes on to say, a uh, source tells me they aren't even talking about picograms of Clinton butyrol uh, for Canelo. Uh, they're talking nanograms, which is higher. 
1,000 picograms equals a nanogram. If we're taking talking uh, nanograms instead of picograms, then we're well above traces and well above contamination levels. This is where that gutless, spineless piece of garbage, uh, I guess you guys got the gist, huh, uh, comes in. Uh, what this means is if, if the levels were high, he was using clombuterol with other drugs, which is what people do when they're testing that high. Get ready for Triple G and Saunders. Tom Loeffler said Triple G was still going to fight in Vegas on May 5th if Canelo gets suspended. I wonder how they'll do that, and I wonder who they'd fight. Oscar uh, won't give up that date unless Triple G fights a Golden Boy uh, middleweight fighter, and there is no one of value uh, at middleweight in the Golden Boy stable. So maybe Loeffler uh, already cut a deal with Golden Boy uh, to have the Golden Boy fighters on the undercard. If so, Oscar would allow them to have the date uh, so some money can be salvaged. I don't know, man. It does sound a little uh, fishy to me. It sounds a little fishy to me. Uh, one more email here. Uh, well, we got a couple more. Um, actually, I got, I got the, uh, I got the uh, AJ. F fight diary i managed to get just before we went uh live here my man uh, johnston brown is going to keep us up to date on that and he's also posting it on billycboxing.com uh in case you guys uh, are interested i'm going to read uh the first one uh here in a sec but first i got another email this one's from joel he says uh based on all the news that occurred over the weekend with canelo suspension how serious do you guys feel that this fight is in jeopardy. As much as I want to see this fight, I would also like to see Canelo face the Nevada State Athletic Commission, give him his defense, and possibly serve any suspension or pay a fine and make this fight at a later time when Canelo passes all of his drug tests. It was interesting that HBO didn't even mention the uh, Canelo Triple G uh, rematch on their upcoming boxing schedule uh, during the white-brown fight. Uh, during the telecast Saturday. I found it funny how Murat uh, Gassiev was promoted to the super champion to make room uh, for the uh, Arsene uh, Goulimarian to become their regular champ after knocking out Murray on France on Saturday. Absolutely no need for another title um, when the current holder is active. Um, that was, remember, uh, the uh, Denis Ledebev was the regular champion he wasn't able to fight so they made him champion in recess that's what opened the door uh for this uh, other bogus fight so anyway hey listen i'm gonna take a short break when i come back i got the first uh aj fight diary but i got some other news the uh phone lines will be open so uh, if you've been waiting to call now's gonna be your chance i'll give you the line in one minute billy c will be right back now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening 
to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Um, you know, Johnston, my man Johnston, he's got a column up on uh, BillyCBoxing.com, uh, is kind enough to uh, forward us the uh, fight diary that Anthony Joshua uh, puts out during fight week. And I got the first one right now. And speaking of first, um, we are going to open up the phone lines. And here's the way it's going to work, boys and girls. We are going to take one caller at a time. If uh, if you get, you know, if, if you call in and we answer, you'll hear us. And we'll come to you in a second. If you call in and we're not answering the phone, that means somebody else is already on it. And just try again when they're off. That's all. So uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, as soon as uh, uh, we're done with this email. Uh, so if you're uh, getting ready to call, I'll give you the number in one second. This is... Uh, uh, all uh, uh, Anthony Joshua's fight diary. Uh, he says, uh, uh, this is Anthony Joshua, says, Saturday night is the first time in history uh, that two reigning heavyweight world champions will have fought in Britain. This is all uh, about putting everything on the line with one goal towards eventually becoming the undisputed champion of the world. For me, uh, and this is Anthony Joshua, he says, for me, this is just the next step towards that end. But if you can't lose sight, uh, I'm sorry, but you can't lose sight of what <laughs> these letters are so little. I, I'm, I can't even, I, I, I'm shocked that I can even read them. Uh, he says, uh, but you, AJ says, but you can't lose sight of what is at stake. Strip down, it's the start of another fight week. There's another opponent in front of me, and it's a return to the uh, Principality Stadium in Cardiff, of which I have happy memories from my last fight. This time, in the other corner, is Joseph Parker, and the guy's uh, a worthy champion. He has every intention of putting on a show. He's the current WBO heavyweight champion of the world and boasts a record of 24 wins with 18 coming by knockout. Uh, his team firmly believes he has the ability to do it on Saturday night, and from that first press conference on Friday... Uh, you can see he doesn't lack for confidence. He's made it clear he has just one plan, uh, to take all the belts home with him. Uh, he says, I can't tell you how the fight's going to go. We are both fast. You will see good combinations from both of us, which is unusual in the heavyweight division. I can see comparisons between Holofield and Riddick Bowe in this fight. It should be electric. Everyone knows there's a lot of talk before these fights, and there seems to be a lot of attention surrounding my weight and whether I'll be coming in uh, to this one lighter than I did against Carlos Takam. Uh, but the funny thing is that my weight right now is similar to what I was tipping the scales at the same point before Takam, and I ended up weighing uh, the heaviest of my career to date. Really, though, the weight's neither here nor there. It's never been that important before in my career. The important thing is the training camp has gone well. It's all about how I feel in myself, and I'm feeling really good right now. That said, there's no complacency creeping in. I try to use each camp as a learning experience, and I now understand that fight week is just as important than the, as the camp is itself. I'm correcting my mistakes each camp to improve as a fighter, and as a team, we look at all the aspects of training with diet and time management not being overlooked. For this camp, I've started training later in the morning to increase the amount of sleep I get, and I feel fitter and fresher. This is probably uh, the first training camp where I start fight week feeling well-rested and enjoy doing these uh, sessions, three sessions a day. 
This has added to my confidence for this fight, as I know I've um, not missed a run or finished a training session early. In short, no stone has been, no stone has been left unturned, unturned ahead of Saturday. Traditionally, boxers get up early in the morning to train. The traditional pattern is a 5 a.m. run, followed by a breakfast and straight into the boxing gym. I've been shifting my training patterns this time around, moving away from the traditional routine to suit the way my body works and how I can feel the benefits. Going back to my weight, I heard Parker's comments that I'm coming in lighter as I want to copy his style, but that's far from the truth. Uh, we haven't even had Parker clones coming to spar. My coach trains me better, uh, trains me to become better, to improve my technique and not beat a certain style or opponent. This is an advantage because I prepare for anything come fight night. If Parker tries something different in the fight, I will have worked on it in training and it's already been covered. I believe my sparring partners had noticed a difference as well. I remember when I used uh, to want to tell my trainer, uh, Rob McCracken, man, I don't have uh, another three rounds in me. And when he was pushing me to do 15 rounds, uh, but now I'm feeling sharper and more focused. And after 15 rounds, I'm looking around the gym, seeing if anyone else wants to go three more. This mentally has helped me during this camp. And I know the person on the other side of the ring is just as willing. And his team is also saying it's his best camp. Uh, we can't, uh, we can anticipate that Parker is going to be uh, bringing his best fight to the fight. He has fast hands. He's quick. Uh, but I've uh, been learning to deal with lighter and faster guys among my sparring partners, so that's why I'm so confident. With what's at stake, this could be a very important year for me, but I'm not underestimating what I'm up against this weekend. I often say it, but a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. I'm that, and this will be two hungry young fighters uh, laying it all on the line. Um Phone line is open, 845-228-8710, I've always loved uh, Anthony Joshua, there's no question. He seems like a well-grounded guy, uh, and he's not opposed to continue his learning, which I think is important for uh, for any fighter. And, you know, I believe that... uh, uh, he's going to give us another performance. But the one thing I do believe with his comments is that uh, he's not taking Parker lightly, even though we're all talking ahead, all of us. You know, promoters, his own promoter, they're talking ahead of the fight. Oh, when we meet AJ, when AJ and, and Deontay meet, you know, we're going to fight this one, we're going to fight that They got Joseph Parker on Saturday. That's the first fight. He's got to win that one. Joining us right now, we got a caller on the line. What's your name? Where you calling from? Billy, it's Joel. What's up? Hey, Joel, long time no here. What's going on, my man? Not, not much. You know, I missed, uh, like, the first 15 minutes of your show. I just got home. But I wanted to, I don't know which, so I don't know what you talked about in, in regards to this, but would you give Dillian White a lot of credit for the victory on, on uh, Saturday, or do you think that Lucas Brown just came in out of shape, looking for a paycheck, was like a human punching bag? Because, I mean, I want to give White the credit. I, I think he deserves a huge fight against a, a Joshua Pavetkin next. But I wanted to hear what you what you think. Should we really give Dillian White all that credit for that victory? Well, I think we deserve. I think credit is deserved. I mean, Lucas Brown was a former world champion. Uh, he was undefeated. You know, he didn't look that great. Uh, you know, he looked very one-dimensional. I, I said in the beginning of the show, he reminded me of Brian Minto. Uh, very... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, very marginally talented fighter, but but you know he was doing what he does best, trying to land that one punch. He's willing to take a beating to land that punch. Unfortunately, he could never land it. As far as giving Dillian White credit, he gets credit for it, but I certainly do not want to see him fight um, Deontay Wilder next or AJ next. Now, the WBC has already made him the mandatory for Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, I think it's all about Deontay Wilder fighting Anthony Joshua should Anthony Joshua get past Joseph Parker. Uh, then they'll have their rematch. It'll also open up the doors for all these fights. You mentioned a great opportunity, and I think that that's the best fight out there. Happens to be Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. You, I don't know if you planned that or what, but that's that's a great opinion, and uh, that would be a, a really good fight to watch because Povetkin is starting to age a little bit, but he's still a force. And Dillian White's he's still got a lot to learn, Joel, in my opinion. I mean, well, we uh, Povetkin, you know, I completely forget, you know, because I know he only he basically solely fights in Russia, but he's on that undercard this this Saturday of Joshua Parker fighting, um, uh, what's his name, David Price, you know, and I think that's more or less a tune-up. Price was good coming up, but he's got no chin. And, I mean, I think if, if he can uh, stop him before, what is it, 10 rounds, 12 rounds, 8 rounds, I'm not sure, but I think if Povetkin stops him, uh, that would be a great fight, and the winner of that fight really should be, the one to say, hey, I want the, you know, the Anthony Joshua or the Deontay Wilder. I, I wouldn't mind. I read somewhere last night uh, online that um, they don't want to do AJ and Wilder next. They want to maybe wait till 2019. I forgot who said it. If it was Eddie Hearn or somebody. But my point is, is, is that if if the summer comes and they do say, okay, Wilder's going to fight Dillian White, I'd have to disagree with you. I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, you know, you know more about it than I do in terms of who, would, you know, maybe AJ is going to look too good. I don't know, but I just feel like Dillian White doesn't have anything to lose. He's got, he doesn't, he's already got a loss on his record. He's not protecting anything. He's just going to go in there with the mentality to try to win the fight. And I think that's what's what we want. We want to see someone who's live, who's actually a top, you know, heavyweight fight somebody like, you know, like uh, Deontay Wilder. First of all, you really think that Dillian White would, would give Deontay Wilder a, a challenge? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't think so. I think Deontay Wilder destroys Dillian White. I, this, Dillian White showed me nothing that would suggest that he would he would fight and and uh, that he would give Deontay a, a good fight. Um, yeah, he works the body. That would be. I, I tell you the truth. That would be one thing that I would like to see because I personally do not think that Deontay Wilder would handle an all-out body attack. But you got to get in close to, to fight him. But here's my point. Joel, why? I mean, there's no reason. We're not talking about guys that are still developing. We're talking about two guys that are telling the world that they're the best in the heavyweight and that they can fight each other. Why do we need to wait again? You know, I don't want to hear that people in the U.K. don't know who Wilder is. I don't want to hear that people in the U.S. don't know who A.J. is. That's B.S. Because any boxing fan knows who both these guys are. You know, and we don't need to marinate. You really want to see... You know, Anthony Joshua fight Jarrell Baby Miller. I mean, Baby Miller is a fraud. This guy fought nobody to be in the position that he's in. And as far as Dillian White, hey, have those two guys fight each other. That's what you do when you climb the ranks. You have two young fighters like Dillian White and Jarrell Baby Miller supposed to be fighting each other. They're supposed to fight each other. The winner moves on. 
That's how you get a solid chock full of talent division. You have those up and coming guys meet each other after they got, you know, 18, 19, 20 something fights. That's when they fight each other. And then the the strong, the winners move on and the loser has to fight another young guy to move on. You know, Dominic Brazil comes to mind. Why didn't Deontay ever fight him? He's a guy that I think is underrated. He started a little late because he was a football guy. Uh, he has a lot of holes in his, uh, uh, in his game, but he's got a, a granite chin and he can punch. There's a guy that I would be working with. I'd like to see him. Uh, fight somebody, you know, whether it be Dillian White or, or even Deontay. But first things first, Deontay and AJ have to take place. It has to take place next. I, I, I'm sorry. I won't. There's not another fight in the heavyweight division that could be crammed down my throat that I would say, you know what? Yeah, I, I do want to see Deontay fight him or I do want to see AJ fight him. No, they have to fight each other. I, I, I agree. And I think that the problem is, is, you know, I remember, I forgot if it was uh, Lopez uh, and Gamboa that, um, what's his name? The Bob Aaron was trying to marinate forever and it never, it, it blew up because I forgot. I think one of them lost. I think that was the Who fight. Who was it? Who was you it? You don't want to have that happen here. I'm sorry? Who, who was it? What are you talking about? I was, uh, several years ago, like nine years ago, I remember, uh, wasn't uh, Bob Aaron trying to marinate um, Uriorcus Gamboa and, and Juan Manuel Lopez? And I think they were, they were on a collision course and... I forgot what happened. Wanma got knocked out. He lost. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But he, forever, Bob Aaron was trying to make that fight, but he was kept marinating it and marinating it and putting him up against other guys on the same card and stuff. And my point here is that you don't want to do that with Anthony Joshua and Wilder because there's so much money to be made. If there's a slip up, you know, to the, to, to the, you know, to the, it's, it's, it would, it would lose some, it would lose a little luster. I would love to see it. But to some fans, it may lose luster. You want to you want to have this fight happen. You don't want to keep marinating it, marinating it like like you're saying. No, there's no reason to listen. I say this all the time, Joel. After every huge fight, there's another huge fight. There'll be another one. There'll be another guy that'll emerge that'll have to fight. There's no reason to marinate. And listen, you want to talk business? Everybody always throws the Floyd Mayweather money thing in my face. Well, he, you know, he's a smart businessman. He did, okay, so let's let's put the Floyd Mayweather hat on for a second. And that hat is, I want to fight the least amount of times and make the maximum amount of money. Well, right money. now, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder could do a two-fight deal that'll set them up financially forever. Whether they want to fight after those two fights or not is would be solely up to them. And the truth of the matter is, is they don't need to fight preliminary fights. In this business of boxing, anything could happen. You could sustain a, a serious cut that, that, that scars you to a point where you open up that cut every time after that. You could get an injury that will prevent you from fighting, uh, breaking a hand or something like that. Or even worse, getting knocked out by a, by a second-class uh, uh, heavyweight, so to speak, and ruin your career. No, there's too much risk and not enough reward for AJ to fight, uh, you know, Mil Miller. First of all, they're, they're, who cares about the fight? It's like a sparring partner. But, but Deontay Wilder to fight Dillian White in the heavyweight division, any heavyweight can knock out any other heavyweight at any given time. Too much risk, not enough reward. I'm sorry. Deontay Wilder against AJ next, if AJ gets past Joseph Parker. Yeah, um, 
I agree. I, you know, I'm also there's other name out there who I thought gave AJ a good fight, even though he took it on short. I mean, he took it on short notice. Was uh, Carlos Takam? I wouldn't mind seeing him against uh, uh, a Jarrell Miller or um, you know Dillian White, somebody like that. I, mean, I know Povetkin knocked him out uh, pretty badly a couple years ago, but still, you know, there's there's other names out there that that can build these guys up and, like you say, really get somebody, you know, after AJ and um, and Wilder fight to to really get a, a true contender. You know, some of these guys, you know, like you say, like Jarrell Miller's getting, to, you know, he's at this point he shouldn't be. And I agree that, that some of these guys need to fight some really good contenders before they can say, hey, I want that Wilder. Hey, I want that Anthony Joshua. Well, I mean, listen, you are right. Uh, Carlos Takam deserved a shot. You see, in a perfect world and, uh, you know, in, in the sport of boxing, you climb the ladder of contention, you know, and you would create those fights. Those real fights. That's not what happens today. Look at Jarrell Miller's record. Show me a contender on a, on his record. There's none. And you know Fred he's Cassie? In, huh? <laughs> Who? Fred, I said Fred Cass. Fred Cassie. Yeah, right. You know that's what he's got. A bunch of Fred Cass. <laughs> and 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 the truth of the matter is, is he's ranked in the top five of the sanctioning body. So so the, today, all you got to do to get ranked is just stay busy, which isn't the truth. That's not the way it should be. The Carlos Takam, great point. That guy should be fighting somebody. You know, Bryant Jennings should be fighting. These are the guys that need to fight each other. That's how you get a stockpiled, talented division when they fight each other. But they all duck each other. Nobody fights anybody. And then you get one fight, and that becomes a great fight. But all the potential other great fights that would have happened. You know, we talk about Muhammad Ali being in a great era. Well, that's because they all fought each other on the way up. All those guys, the Ron Lyles, the Ernie Shavers, the Jimmy Youngs, you know, uh, the Quarry brothers. I mean, these were all great fighters that were tough. Yeah, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and Kenny Norton, they beat all of those guys, but they had to get through them first. They, they earned their stripes, so to speak. They proved that they were better than those guys. And those guys, the Jimmy Youngs, the Ernie Shavers, uh, the Quarry brothers, etc., would have been champions today. So, no, today, the, 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 the way they do it is they stay busy. That's all. And then they become ranked. Nobody takes any risk. It's, it's, it's a shame. It really is. I, I just, I mean, you know, it's funny to even think that um, I think the, he was the only, only uh, active boxer in the crowd, but Dillian White was uh, had so much adrenaline. He was, you know, even calling out um, David Hay, who was in the crowd on Saturday. That's laughable to me. I mean, I, you know, David Hay is fighting maybe once a year at most. He's got the Bellew fight coming up. Bellew's really a light heavyweight. He moved up to Cruiserweight, who's fighting at heavyweight for this time. I, you know, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of pretenders out there. There's a lot of contenders. We need more contenders. You know, the heavyweight division, like you say, you know, one punch, you know, and, and these heavyweight fights can can change can change the you know the platform of the division. No, I, listen, that's the way it should be in all the divisions. You know, that's how you move <laughs> up the ladder. But uh, anyway, hey brother, thanks for the call. Make the call more often, I man. Yes, I will. I will. Have a great week. I'll, I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thanks so much, Billy. All right, my man. That's uh, my man, Joel. He's usually in the uh, uh, chat room. We, we got time for another call, uh, 845-228-8710. Uh, if you want to give us a call, give me your thoughts. Uh, you got a question, you got a comment, you got a concern, whatever, 845-228-8710. We got Dax Khan joining us in about seven minutes. So uh, you got some time to uh, uh, make a call if you so uh, desire, but uh, uh, in any event, um, some other news. Uh, there was a uh, card that's going to be taking place at the end of April, 
uh, in Philadelphia. It's going to be on ESPN, and it's it's pretty good, decent card. I I, I like it. Um, you will have uh, a junior featherweight uh, title fight, the WBO junior featherweight title. Um, Jesse Magladena uh, will be putting his title on the line against the number one contender, at least as far as the WBO is concerned, Isaac uh, Dogbo. And uh, that's going to be the main event. Also, uh, the uh, some other fights on some other fights on that card uh, out of Philly. Bryant Jennings and I used to love Bryant Jennings. I watched Ortiz knock him out senseless uh, at the Turning Stone, and uh, Joey Duezco, who personally uh, I don't know why this guy even fights in the heavyweight division. If I was him, I'd lose uh, some weight and uh, fight as a cruiserweight or even a light heavy. He's, he's, got a, he's got some decent skill, but he's fighting in the wrong class. And also Shakur Stevenson, who's uh, now 5-0 and with a couple of knockouts, uh, will also uh, uh, be fighting on that card against a 12-0 and guy, um, a Roxburgh Riley, who's 12-0 and with six knockouts. So uh, a decent little uh, card. Um, another thing that uh, I wanted to uh, uh, talk about was uh, Mikey Garcia. Did you catch what took place with Mikey Garcia over the weekend? Uh, Mikey Garcia has decided uh, that he's going to keep the junior welterweight title. Uh, He had a certain amount of time, I think 10 days, uh, to decide whether he was going to relinquish the junior welterweight title or uh, the uh, lightweight title. He had to pick one. And uh, according to his uh, uh, statement, he has decided... Uh, that uh, he is going to keep his junior welterweight title. He uh, did everything he had to do in writing. Uh, His uh, first defense uh, mandatory will be Ivan Baranchek, who uh, we just watched uh, uh, win uh, over uh, Peter Petrov uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Baranchek is 18-0 with 11 knockouts. Uh, That was the uh, condition uh, that he got to fight for the uh, title, uh, and he's got to do that within 90 days. So negotiations have been ordered between the two camps. If they're not able to be reached uh, by April 22nd, a purse build uh, will be uh, taking place. Now, as far as the WBC is concerned, because that was the lightweight belt that uh, Mikey Garcia had, um, Mauricio Suleiman uh, has mentioned that uh, we will wait and talk to Mikey Garcia ourselves before we do anything with that belt, make it vacant, whatever. Um, Mikey has not reached out to the WBC uh, yet, and that's because he's on a humanitarian issue, uh, a mission, I'm sorry, in uh, Belize. Uh, So as soon as he gets back from that, uh, um, Mauricio Suleiman uh, will uh, be speaking with him about his intentions uh, of... uh, moving forward so that's what we got going on uh, in the sport now uh this week our uh, blast from the past what? oh my goodness i forgot what our blast from the past is. oh uh it's gonna be on uh, michael nunn uh is our blast from the past this week uh michael nunn will be uh what alex uh, and i will be discussing uh on uh, on wednesday so uh we'll see what happens uh, uh with that and uh, let's see what else we got going on. Uh, Larry Hazard will be joining us. Don't forget, uh, we got the uh, uh, we got the super chat going on. Uh, and uh, I want to give a shout out to my man uh, Johnston Brown, who just uh, gave us a super chat. 
And uh, he says, uh, if Parker wins, it'll be uh, uh, Joseph Parker against Anthony Joshua in a rematch. And then uh, White will take on Wilder. Um, you know, my man Johnston, you got to check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. And I appreciate uh, him with the uh, super chat. You know, these guys all talked me into uh, doing the super chat. And now uh, they're the only ones that are doing it. My man uh, Johnston, he's he really uh, appreciate the uh, super chat. If you don't know what that is, uh, go on over to uh, uh, the uh, uh, YouTube uh, chat room and uh, you can do a super chat. What's a super chat? Well, if you do a super chat, I will say what you want me to say on air. Yeah, so you're paying for it, man. But uh, my man Johnston... He's uh, also, we give him kudos for uh, giving us the uh, uh, diary from uh, my man, uh, Anthony Joshua. But, uh, hey, I think what Johnston means here is uh, is pretty true. You know, the bottom line is this is no layup fight for, uh, for, for AJ. It, it's not. And just like we weren't talking about Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz as a layup, it wasn't. Uh, Anthony uh, Joshua has a tough guy in front of him in Joseph Parker. And the truth of the matter is, is he could come up short. And uh, according to uh, Johnston, uh, that fight would be a rematch. And uh, I don't see uh, uh, why it wouldn't be. Any fight, if you're a fighter and you're a champion, any fight you have better have a rematch clause in it. If your team's not putting a rematch clause in your contracts, then you better change teams. Uh, well, change <laughs> changed boxing teams. I don't even really change it in teams. But uh, anyway, switching sides. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is I want to thank my man Johnston. And don't forget to check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Dax Khan joins us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the heavyweight division. So don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now to give us his thoughts on uh, Dillian White's performance and the heavyweight picture uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, all. How you doing, man? I'm doing. I'm here. That sounds good. It sounds good. Um, Dillian White, you know, I'm getting a lot of comments uh, in the chat room. Uh, some people think that, you know, this guy uh, could beat wilder some people think who is he why why did he even get a shot it, you know uh, should he get a shot who's he beat etc etc first things first he destroyed uh lucas brown in a in my opinion totally one one-sided fight uh on saturday what was your thoughts about the performance first 
You know, it was a solid performance. You know, it, it's a um, it's hard to discuss the terms of significance of the fight. Um, you know, Lucas Brown is a tough guy. Make no mistake. You know, we appreciate those tough type guys. But you know, even at his best, Lucas Brown was you know just a big clubber. You know, with you know his biggest attribute his best attribute was a big right hand but you know it's a um more or less it's been a media uh hype or media maker type of right hand you know not a um not that type of right hand that a uh, a Deontay Wilder or a Vladimir Klitschko possessed that you know if it lands it can totally change you know the um the demographics of a fight uh you know the type of right hand that when it hits guys and it knocks guys down it that that knockout actually would grab the headline over the win you know so why they even allowed the fight to continue as long as they did seeing that you know the, the beating he was taking is beyond me uh, Lucas Brown he came in very out of shape uh you mentioned some earlier about the um how he looked at at the floor uh during the introductions uh marty mulcahy and i were speaking about that on twitter during the time you know you know what was the moment too much for him you know who knows you know dillian white he put on a good performance you know he did what he was supposed to do but you know remember you know this is a guy who's really his best win is over a um very overinflated robert helanius uh the fight before then he literally went you know toe-to-toe life and death with Derek chisora and uh his career is pretty much based off going seven rounds with Anthony Joshua so what do you take from it I don't know I think you know he has uh, I like the fact that he works the body but you know something he doesn't actually sit and dig the body I, I really didn't get much out of this fight other than what it was you know it was a solid performance uh, against you know a younger guy against an older guy and you know that that's what it was Bill I really didn't get much more out of that you know me personally no, hey, listen, I'm with you you know I know that you were uh, pretty high on Dillian White for a while there uh, and um, you know, I, I thought that I thought that he he showed that he did what he's supposed to do against an, an opponent like Lucas Brown. I mean, you know, when I see these kinds of performances against these kinds of fighters, when you have one fighter fighting another one and they destroy him, I say to myself, well, that's what he should do. If he's supposed to be that next uh, upper level fighter, then he should destroy a guy like that. And like you mentioned, you know, life and death fight with Derek Chisora was a split decision, I believe. Uh, you know, Derek Chisora, although he's always been entertaining and he does have a lot of big names on his resume, he's not exactly a, a great fighter. That's always been my argument with Wilder as well. You know, uh, he fights these guys, he gets in these tough fights, he wins, but that's what he's supposed to do. You know, he's had the impressive fight against Ortiz, that was it. You know, AJ's got uh, his fight against uh, Klitschko. He's fighting another champion this weekend. In my opinion, maybe not to jump the gun here, but in my opinion, there's no reason to have a preliminary fight uh, between, uh, uh, you know, Deontay and someone, specifically uh, White, and uh, AJ and someone, specifically Miller, uh, should both of those guys get past uh, their next fight. So w what's your thoughts on the heavyweight division? I know you, want, you had some opinions that are uh, outside the box. Well, you know, should um, Anthony Joshua get past WBO champion uh, Joseph Parker, um, I would think that a Joseph Parker versus Dillian White fight would be great for the sport. Um, I like Dillian White. I just don't think, you know, he's that upper tier, uh, you know, with them both being the, the two highest um, volume body punches in the division. I think that would be great. Um, you know, this fight, um, well, you know, the Wilder Ortiz fight, you know, answered a lot of questions on Deontay Wilder, very much like 
we spoke that uh, the Vladimir Klitschko fight answered with um, Anthony Joshua. You know what? You know this division lacks greatly, and we this happens whenever you have one dominant champion who reigns for so long, and that is so dominant. Is that when that when that fighter uh, exits, you know, all of a sudden there's a scramble to fill that position, um, you know, and you know whoever comes um, on top here, whether or not it's Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker, or even uh, Tyson Fury, if he should come back, you know, what what, what we're lacking here truly, Bill, is uh, that aura that surrounds being the heavyweight champion. We haven't had one of those in a long time, uh, and because of Vladimir Klitschko being so dominant. That, you know, you were almost in, in this position where, you, you know, it almost became a uh, mandatory and a mainstay that you knew that this was the guy who led the division. The heavyweight champion has always been, you know, the top guy of the division. Maybe not, you know, the pound for pound best guy, but he has always been the guy who guided the division. He's the guy that always stood out. That is the guy who had that aura that fans, whether or not you're a dedicated boxing fan, whether or not you're a casual boxing fan, that you looked at that guy. When that guy walked to the ring and he walked past you, you said to yourself, you know something, that is the baddest man on the planet right there. However that guy carried himself, whether you loved him, whether you hated him, there was no doubt in your mind. That man right there is the most dominant force on the planet. Any other man that steps inside that ring with a pair of gloves on has no chance at beating him. And when that guy lost, we're shocked. Even when the guy was past his best, we're shocked because that heavyweight champion had such an aura. And we don't have that today. What we have are a lot of guys. We have talented guys. Don't get me wrong. Deontay Wilder is a very talented fighter. Anthony Joshua is a very talented fighter. They're both Olympians. They're both medal winners. Joseph Parker is a very talented fighter. The rest of the heavyweight division lacks greatly. Um, you know, Alexander Povetkin, you know, longtime uh, bell holder, but he's, he's past it. He's 38 years old. He's been caught for PED use. Uh, Cabral Pulev, you know, uh, um, a tough guy, but you know something, he was never able to get up past that hump. You have Jarrell Miller who comes down. He talks more than any. He talks himself into fights. Um, uh, Dillian White, again, as we stated, you know, he's a talented guy, but he's not that upper level. Luis Ortiz, we thought Luis Ortiz might make some noise, but there was always that PED incident around there. So, you know something, you know, that leaves this division open. That leaves one of these guys have to step up. One of these guys have to go in there, and one of these guys have to sit there to not only for their, their own uh, or their sake, but for the sake of the sport to really reach that true dominance, even if you don't know. And you say it yourself, how many times you've walked around and asked who Deontay Wilder is, and people just stare at you with this blank look. You know, can you imagine? Think about this. Mike Tyson, at his best, he was a vicious uh, when he was focused, Mike Tyson, when he walked to that ring, and you, whether you're watching on TV or you were in person, you know, it was like that feeling that a gladiator was entering the arena. And, you know, even for that short little amount of time that was going to last, you know, you had that feeling, you know, something super was going to happen. Evander Holyfield, at his best, you knew that going in there, even if he was going against a bigger man like Riddick Bowe or whether it was a Lennox Lewis, you knew you were going to have yourself an exciting fight. He always came in. He was in peak condition. He didn't talk a lot, but, you know, he made up for that by his performance. Performances. Vladimir Klitschko at his best. You know, you expected a dull affair because of the type of style that he adapted. But you know something? When Vladimir Klitschko walked to that ring and he had on that robe, uh, that entrance music, that um, uh, that quiet demeanor of his with Manny Stewart walking next to him, you knew that you had something sensational coming into that ring with you. You knew this man right here is something special. This man is the heavyweight champion of the world. He didn't have to beat his chest. Vitaly Klitschko. 
Klitschko, his brother, um, you know, less revered, but a great fighter in his own right going to the Hall of Fame this year. Vitaly Klitschko, you know, he would break guys down into submission. You knew if not one Klitschko was going to get these guys, the other Klitschko was. These guys had the sport sewn up. No matter who the pound-for-pound best was, you looked at these guys and said to yourself, these guys right here are the very best in the world. They are six foot six, six foot seven. There is not another man in the world unless he gets lucky, and this is their worst night that's going to walk out of that arena with that belt. And the fans came out in tens of thousands. They tuned in in hundreds of thousands, and they all just wanted to see what the heavyweight champion is going to do. Right now, now, Anthony Joshua, despite the 90,000, 100,000 fans and the big draw he is, he's very personable. Despite Deontay Wilder and um, his fan base growing, uh, despite Joseph Parker, who's a very talented fighter, none of these guys hold the aura of these past champions. Am I wrong in that? Well, I think you're 100% right that boxing is missing the characters that, that made it so successful from uh, you know previous eras. There's no question. I mean, you know, you get a guy like Mike Tyson, like you mentioned, and then other divisions as well, would help sell the sport and the fighter themselves were their characters, were, were, you know, whether people wanted to relate to them on a positive or a negative way, they related to them. Um, The Klitschko's certainly dominated the division, the heavyweight division, but the problem was is that they weren't exciting. Well, Vitaly was exciting, but, you know, injuries, you know, hurt him. Um, I think what's happened today in the sport, not just the heavyweight division, but in the sport, um, is that they don't follow the path to a title shot the way they should. So, therefore, they're never really developing. So, what we constantly see, and it's not just the heavyweight division. I know we're discussing that now, but it happens in all the divisions is you get a champion who's a quality fighter, and then next thing you know, they're fighting these other mandatories or contenders that never fought anyone. I was talking about that today. The contenders, the rank contenders, now I happen to be looking at the heavyweight uh, rankings right now. When you look at these rankings, um, and, and you, you, know, you take Anthony Joshua and Wilder, and Parker added a mix. And and if you want, people forget, but Manuel Char is a champion too. You and I were laughing about that yesterday. Um, if you take those guys out of a mix and you look at the rest of the uh, rankings, the Pulovs, the Millers, the Whites, the Povetkins, the Dominic Brazils, the Carlos Takam, the, uh, even uh, Dimitrenko and, and Martin and some of the young fighters like Otto Wallen and uh, Cabell and et cetera, et cetera, Tom Schwartz. Even the Japanese guy, Fujimoto. I mean, these guys, uh, Brian Jennings, you know, these guys should all be fighting each other. That's how they get better and they deserve their world title shot. But what happens today, Dax, and you know better than anyone, that they don't. Jarrell Miller, you made a, 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 a elusive comment about him. But let's face the facts. He's fought nobody. You're 100% correct that his big fat mouth that matches his big fat egg-shaped body that he's earned himself. And the, if you look at the rankings, this guy's in the top five. You know how? It, today you get ranked just by staying busy. It's not right. Jermel Mil- Jarrell Miller, if he had beaten a Dillian White or a Pavetkin or Brazil or Takam or, or Tom Schwartz or any of these other names we mentioned, 
and and he beat a couple of those guys, then you have a legitimate contender. But all of a sudden, he's in line for a title shot. Same thing with, with Dillian White. I mean, I know you were high on him, and, and he may very well be a legitimate number one contender uh, based on the crop of heavyweights. But the facts are the facts. We both admitted yesterday off air that neither one of us think that he's got a chance against Deontay Wilder. The question remains... Why do we have to wait for Wilder, AJ? Should AJ get by Parker? I, there'll be another big fight, Dax. You know that. There's this. That, that's you know. You made one point I agree with, and one point I disagree with about you know one about you know th- th- how the media circulates. Um, you know Max Kellerman. I, I forget who was in the chat room talking about how Max Kellerman was selling up Dillian White, and my response to that was, you know, something he was selling. He didn't really believe the things that he was saying. Max Kellerman is a knowledgeable guy. You know the thing you said in the past about oh we had these characters, but you know something, Bill, they weren't characters. This is who they were. The problem is today we have characters. Deontay Wilder, he's not really this brash guy who dances around and beats his chest, uh, you know, away from the ring. You know, he's, he's a reserved guy. He's a, he's a quiet guy. Um, you know, he, he's a family man. He, he, he has a daughter with disabilities. You know, that that's his main focus. You know, when all of a sudden that the, um, you know, the cameras are on and he has to sell himself, then all of a sudden, you know, the uh, 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 bomb squad, you know, starts coming out on him. These guys in the past that I mentioned, you know, they, that's, there were no characters. That's who they were. Um, in 2003, or late 2003, um, you know, and this is what happens. This is why uh, the heavyweight division now is really in scrambles. You know, it takes time to build a heavyweight champion. You know, you can't build a media champion because even whoever comes out on top is always going to have that stigma of a media-created champion who beat nothing but media-created champions. When Lennox Lewis retired, that division was in such shambles. It was in chaos. We didn't have a legitimate successor to the throne. We didn't know who could take over his spot. You know, um, we thought about maybe it would be uh, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Vitaly Klitschko, because him and Lennox went, you know, really life and death. But, you know, Vitaly Klitschko, um, you know, he went out there and he, uh, four or five fights. He had the back injury. He leaves. Uh, we're thinking, you know, Vladimir, you know, could Vladimir Klitschko possibly take over? He loses to... Um, uh, Ross Purity in 98, and then he gets blasted out by Corey Saunders, and then um, he gets uh, blasted out by Lehman Brewster in four rounds. He gasses. Uh, can he hit? Sure, he can hit. He's uh, He had this um, almost Ivan Drago, Rocky Fourth type persona where, you know what, he was a st- uh, stand-up, straight puncher, uh, European-style fighter, but he had no, um, no levels to him, and then all of a sudden he gets with uh, Emmanuel Stewart, and then little by little, you know, over the years, what happens is he just starts beating these guys, um, in, in such dominant fashion, he starts, you know, Chris Bird, Rushan Chigayev, Ray Austin, Calvin Brock, uh, Alicia Castillo, Tony Thompson, you know, on and on and on for almost 10 years. You know, you can arguably say that maybe this guy lost five rounds and that's how you build the champion. And that's how you build somebody that, you know, can sit on top of this sport. And that's how you build somebody that whether you love him or you hate him, as you stated, you know, something, you know who's in charge and that's how it has to be you can't build media created fighters the the amount of titles hurts that the uh, uh the different networks hurts that and the fighters themselves because their characters hurts that and this sport even though the heavyweight division has not been the flagship division in a long time you need a king of the sport and the heavyweight champion is the king of the sport and regardless of whoever comes out on top here is not going to fill the position of these past guys because these lower divisions these guys that aren't being sold, these guys that are out there actually uh, earning their bones are the guys that are going to be, you know, leading the sport. And that's what hurts boxing. How can you not have one definitive, 
one guy who's gone out there and taken over the heavyweight division. How can you not have that? You, you should have it. But, but let me just tell you one thing, and we've had this discussion many times, you and myself. Um, when you talk about Vladimir Klitschko, he could, and you make a great point, you could make an argument that in a decade, the guy, if, if you exclude the AJ fight, you could make the argument that in, in 10 years, he may have lost a handful of rounds on a scorecard, not fights, on a scorecard. I don't think anybody could, could boast that. Uh, but the problem with Klitschko was that his style was not exciting. If Vladimir Klitschko fought the way he fought Cuba Pulov or, or AJ, this guy would be, he would be so high on the pedestal right now in terms of all-time greatness that, you know, you wouldn't have to sell his accomplishments like you kind of have to do today. What my point is, is that excitement in the sport of boxing is critical. You know, uh, you have to have a level of excitement. You know, we, I get into this discussion about Mayweather all the time. You know, people say, oh, yeah, you know, he's great, he's great, he's great. Okay, fine. You know, you want to look at his, uh, his, his performances. Uh, you can, uh, you know, uh, spin it any way you want. I have my feelings. But the one thing you can't argue is that he was a boring fighter. He, he just was a boring fighter. And when, when the smoke clears on his career, it's going to be – he's not going to be remembered as much as a guy who was exciting. And unfortunately for Klitschko, it's going to be the same thing. Deontay Wilder – um, at least brings some excitement, as does AJ. The thing that Wilder needs right now, Dax, and, and you and I touched on it yesterday, is a promoter. Deontay Wilder, and I agree with you, the man, you know, with his daughter and everything else, seems like an all right guy. But when the camera's in front of him, he turns into the bomb squad, which is negative press. It may be working for him. He may be thinking it, blah, blah, blah. But the truth of the matter is, Lou, Lou DiBella doesn't promote. He doesn't promote his fighters. You know, the best thing that could happen to Wilder is that he fights AJ and he gives a piece of his promotional deal to Eddie Hearn, win or lose. And whether he wins or loses, he'll have Eddie Hearn working for him. And Deontay Wilder can make a lot more money with a real promoter like Eddie Hearn or somebody that's willing to invest some money in him, unlike all of the claws that are in him now. That's what bothers me about Deontay. Deontay talks smack about other people taking advantage of, uh, of AJ, etc., etc. but he should look in the mirror because he's got more hands in his pocket than if he had a, a, a cage full of octopuses. It's, it's bad stuff, Dax. I agree. 100% with that. You know, we all know what type of promoter Lou DiBella is. Uh, um, you know, over the years, everybody who has signed, you know, Lou DiBella had Sergio Martinez, um, you know, a guy who at his best was in the top two, top three pound for pound, and, you know, the lineal middleweight champion of the world. And the only time he ever heard anything about Sergio Martinez out of a Lou DiBella camp is uh, two weeks uh, prior to the Martinez title defense. Um, as for Klitschko uh, being boring, Absolutely. You know, uh, he wasn't really an exciting fighter early on in his career. He was exciting only because he was scoring those devastating knockouts. But, you know, because of the style he adapted, no, he wasn't an exciting fighter. But my point is, you know something, it takes years to build this legacy. Vladimir Klitschko, you know, this country is a lot different than the rest of the world. That's the difference. Boxing is a global sport. The names that I mentioned, whether or not it's Lennox Lewis, whether or not it was a Mike Tyson, whether or not it was a Vander Holyfield, these guys fought around the world. These guys today, you know, they're, they're quibbling about where are we going to fight. 
You know, you're, you're a world champion. Fight around the world. You will be marketable anywhere. When Vladimir Klitschko fought Anthony Joshua, when you realize and go back and, you know, do some research on your own and look at those numbers, those numbers out of Germany were because of Vladimir Klitschko, because of the way he carried himself and because of over the years that he built up that fan base. You know, uh, Anthony Joshua, if he was not British, and that's one of the things I love about the British fans is their, you know, their excitement and the way that they, they follow and they get behind those fighters. But if Anthony Joshua was American, let's say, Anthony Joshua would not be known, wouldn't be a draw. He'd be in the same spot as a Deontay Wilder. And that's the difference. You have to go out there and create yourself a legacy. It takes time, and we can't be forced fed these guy uh, from the media um how bad is the media force fed and i know you hate when i bring up lennox lewis but lennox lewis actually came out about this himself after the um uh deontay wilder and luis ortiz fight uh showtime made mention that you know something once anthony joshua and um once uh, deontay wilder fight the winner of that we will finally have ourselves an undisputed heavyweight champion the first one since mike tyson in 1985 what is the Are you kidding me? The first one since Mike Tyson in 1985. They're saying this. This is the educated media feeding this to the fans after the after the Ortiz and Wilder fight. And the fans are agreeing. They're on social media. They're they're agreeing. Yes, we can't wait. We need one. It's been since Mike Tyson. This is not an educated sport. But you know something, Vladimir Klitschko, when he was the champion, nobody nobody mentioned lineal. Nobody mentioned undisputed. They just mentioned this man is the champion of the world will beat him and none of these guys have that aura about him whether or not they're boring whether or not they're exciting whether or not their promoters handling them well they just don't have that aura and why because the media is force feeding us these guys they're not letting anybody go out there and prove themselves and whenever somebody does go out there and have a good performance what we do and me and you are guilty of it ourselves if we just look for reasons to pick apart these top performances why because we're just so fed up with the way everything is just being force fed to us and why these guys are just not signing to fight each other and that is why until there is one dominant heavyweight champion, this sport is just going to remain in chaos, and the UFC is going to continue to build. Because the biggest news inside the last month, outside Canelo testing positive for PEDs, is the fact Dana White offered Anthony Joshua $500 million. Think about that. Another sport is creating bigger news than we are. Let, let me tell you, I, and, and I don't disagree with that, but let me tell you this. The winner of AJ and Deontay Wilder if the fight is next, assuming, and it's a big assumption, if AJ beats uh, Joseph Parker next, we would have, I think, a, a heavyweight champion that everyone would have to agree is the world heavyweight champion. Even if the aftermath results in stripping of titles and, and breaking it up again because, you know, there's no way to meet all the mandatories, et cetera, et cetera. At least if the two met in the ring, the winner would walk away being regarded as the heavyweight champion. And I believe we need that. If, if there's one division that has to have a unified champion, at least for a little while, it has to be the heavyweight division. Unfortunately for Terrence Crawford, he was a guy that did it in the junior welterweight division. And unfortunately, as great as, and I think he's a great fighter, as great as he is, it wasn't enough. We need it for the heavyweight division. But uh, everything you say is uh, true. Hey, Dax, we got to run. But let me ask you real quickly, what's your thoughts on this whole? We haven't had a chance to really talk to you about it. Uh, you were out on vacation from what I hear. But, uh, uh, you know, we had uh, the Triple G and, and Canelo uh, spat. Canelo test positive. 
they suspend them temporarily till April 10th. What's your thoughts on this? To me, it's a joke. Well, the fact that they suspended Canelo until April and the fact that Nevada has had to go and um, in, in, in further, you know, and step further into this. Remember, this is also the same state commission that somehow finagled Floyd Mayweather to have a jail sentence postponed temporarily so he can have a fight because he brought so much money to the city. And Canelo is another, you know, Canelo is a guy who brings so much money when he fights that, you know, he's uh, more or less kind of afforded those same types of luxuries. But, you know, that just says, you know, without anybody coming right out and uh, showing the actual test results, Canelo has, you know, has, you know, a higher percentage than what was originally released by the media. Um, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, an example needs to be made of a guy like Canelo. Not that I don't like the kid, but, you know, um, you know the fact is a high uh, uh, profile guy who, you know, a pay-per-view draw like that has to be made an example of because if you don't make an example out of a guy like Canelo and show, you know what, it's not going to be tolerated even for somebody who brings in all that money Again, just throw the rules out the door. Why? Why have VADA? Why have WADA? Why have mandatory testing? It doesn't matter. And you also, I think the last time I was on the show, I brought this up. You know, when uh, when Louis Neary, who was banned in Japan, uh, you know, the 118-pound uh, uh, WBC bantamweight title holder. You know, Louis Neary. You know, that's a guy who also tested positive uh, for Zapaterol, You know, a uh, a substance very much like clenbuterol, and he's from Mexico, and that didn't come from the beef. You know, and, and a lot of people were saying, and you mentioned earlier today uh, in one of the emails, you know what, everybody's going to say, it's always going to be for the beef, for the beef, for the beef. So you know something, if I want to use peas and I want to go into a fight, you know what I do? I vacation in Mexico for two weeks. I get, I use all the peas I want. I use all the masking agents I want. And then I sit there and say to the media, you know what, for three weeks, all I did, and I pull up my shirt and I do my best Tyson Fury impersonation, and I slap my fat stomach and say, I gained 100 pounds. I became a fat ass eating nothing but Mexican beef. That's why I tested dirty. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, no, I know. Dude, I, I, I know. And, and it's, it's, it's comical. It's comical. And no, no one agrees with you more than me about uh, setting an example. And I like Canelo, but, hey, I, I think that it would go a long way uh, making him uh, pay the piper. But, uh, Dax, appreciate your time, and uh, hope we can get you back on uh, – later in this week so we could talk about your uh, breakdown and prediction of the big fight this weekend between AJ and Joseph Parker. All right, I'll talk to you then. All right, my man. That's uh, Dax Khan. You can check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. I want to give a shout-out to my man, uh, Scholar of Boxing. He's asking uh, – well, he did a he did a super chat, so uh, we're going to give him the dues, man. My man, Scholar of Boxing, in the chat room on YouTube all the time. Uh, sometimes he agrees with me and sometimes he doesn't. But uh, his big question uh, that he's asking me now is exactly why aren't these guys just fighting each other? And um, the bottom line, and, and we're referring to uh, Wilder and Ortiz, uh, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder and uh, uh, AJ. You know, there's, uh, and thanks for the uh, super chat uh, donation, Scholar. Uh, I appreciate that big time. Scholar of Boxing, uh, another one of our. Uh, fans that uh, put his money where his mouth is but there is no reason why they don't fight each other you know i can come up with all of these excuses uh why fighters are ranked when they shouldn't be and this and that and everything else but the bottom line is forget about it forget about it forget about the fact whether you think Deontay Wilder is good or not. Forget about the fact if you think AJ uh, is good enough or not. Forget about if you think 
that uh, Anthony Joshua has a weak resume. Forget about if you think that Deontay Wilder uh, has 40 fights and he's only fought one quality opponent. Forget about all of that. What we have here is the top two heavyweights. Forget about how they made it to where they are because at this point, they're there. They're number one and number two, okay? And there's nothing better in the sport of boxing when a number one guy fights a number two. And you notice I'm not saying anything about champions because it doesn't matter. The, the amount of champions that walk around with belts today have ruined it, have devalued the belt. So what we end up with is top two fighters. And in the division right now, whether they're the best two or not, we don't really know because neither one of them really climbed uh, the contender ladder the way we're talking about should. But at this stage of the game right now, we got Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua as the top two fighters. AJ, in my opinion, is number one, and Deontay's number two. There's no reason to marinate. There's no reason to say if you're Mauricio Suleiman, there's no way uh, reason for him to say, hey, listen, uh, Deontay, sorry, man, but you're mandatory as Dillian White. you got to fight him first. Uh, otherwise, we're going to strip you of his title. Because at that point, if I'm Deontay Wilder, I'll say, take this title. This title means nothing. It means nothing because every single boxing fan out there and a lot of marginal fans, too, that aren't diehards, all they want to see right now is Deontay Wilder fight Anthony Joshua. And there's no reason to marinate it. I don't want to hear any more excuses. Oh, well, uh, uh, Deontay's not known over in England. So what? So what? And, and, I, and I find that hard to believe. The, the British boxing scene is probably the most knowledgeable group of fans uh, on the planet when it comes to boxing. And they know who Deontay Wilder is. Come on. And are you going to tell me that no one knows who Anthony Joshua is if you're a boxing fan or even just a little bit of a boxing fan? Please. Now, this is just the promoter and the network's way of getting more money. Okay? It's not the good of the fighter. A guy that gets talked into, a Deontay Wilder or an Anthony Joshua that sits behind closed doors and has their promoter and their manager say, listen, we want to marinate this fight so you can make more, so you can do this, so you do that, so fight this one first. That's not someone looking out for the fighter. That's someone trying to pad his or her own, his or her own pocketbook. That's the facts, boys and girls. Okay, The facts are the facts, and the facts are that Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder right now providing, because Deontay did his part, he beat Luis Ortiz, providing AJ beats Joseph Parker on Saturday night, providing that happens, there is no need to build up anymore, and you can make, sit down and make a deal between AJ and Deontay, home and home agreement, you fight one fight in the UK, one fight in the US, you're fighting two fights regardless. Each of them get a rematch shot. And you set up where both fighters can walk away with boatloads of cash. Life-altering cash. Okay? For two fights. Not a fight and then two fights. Don't you see what the, what the, what the, the thieves are doing? They're trying to get the, some other powers that be. Make it seem like they're being forced to fight another fight in between so they make the money they're not taking any risk they're not taking a risk of getting a 
a career-ending injury like a busting up your hand? What would happen if Deontay Wilder's hand shattered in a fight? That's his only attribute. He's got no other skill set except his right hand. What happens? He should be like a piano player. He should have a gazillion dollars insurance on his right hand. What happens if he hurts his right hand? The guy is done, finished, kaput, finny, done. You know, what happens if AJ sustains a cut? It was almost uh, could have happened in the Carlos Tacom fight. Sustains a cut where he constantly has a weak spot uh, on his face from every fight. No, no. Listen, this is the hurt business, boys and girls. There's one fight left for Anthony Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder right now. Okay, and that's to fight each other. They guarantee themselves two huge paydays because they're going to guarantee a uh, a rematch for both. There's no reason to fight Dillian White, to fight Jarrell Fat Pig Miller, uh, to fight anybody else. They fight each other, and then guess what, boys and girls? After the two fight uh, fights are done between Deontay and AJ, there'll be another guy because when those two fights happen. You have another fighter emerge as the next guy. And then the winner fights him. That's how it works. You know? Anyway. Um, on this day in boxing history, in 19, uh, March uh, 26, in 1983, Jung Ku Chang knocks out Hilaro Zapata in the third round to win the WBC World Junior Flyweight title that took place in Korea. On this day in 1909, Abe Battelle knocks out Frankie White no relation to Dillian, in the eighth round to retain his world featherweight title took place in Dayton, Ohio. On this day in 1927, Bud Taylor and Tony Canzanori fight for the vacant NBA world bantamweight title that took place in Chicago, but the fight ends in a 10-round draw. The two would fight again on June 24th, and this time Bud Taylor wins a 10-round decision to capture the title. And finally, on this day, March 26th in 1994, Henry Mask knocks out Ernesto Magladeno in the ninth round to retain his IBF World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in Germany. Hey, boys and girls, do yourself a favor. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs>